I'm not arguing with your father. He's arguing with me. I'm right. So I'm not arguing. Because for some reason, I thought if I had a mustache, I would look like Rick James or Prince. And so I'm trying to walk a tightrope here while I'm telling you. And so I'm trying to walk a tightrope here while I'm telling you. Hey, welcome to the Bitterest Pill. It is a podcast recorded by me, Dan Class, under the flight path at Los Angeles International Airport. How are you? So this is um, hi. How are you? Fine. Okay, good. Wait, let's get right into it, shall we? So the last episode was such a huge episode; it had to become two episodes. So this is part two. I really need to name this. I really need to name the show. You're starting to see a glimpse behind the curtain of when things are recorded and named and everything. All right, let's assume for now, it'll be interesting to see, uh, let's assume for now that uh, episodes that are uh, assigned the number 337 three, are entitled, Going Home is a Trip. No, I don't know. We'll see. I don't know. We'll see. We got to brainstorm on that one. Anyway, so where we last, uh, left off is I was peeling away from my family. We were in Poughkeepsie. We're visiting New York. Poughkeepsie, New York, and New York City, New York. And I'm actually, for the first time in forever, going to peel away from my family. At the crack of dawn, I'm going to return a rent-a-car to uh, Hertz, because that has to be re- returned right away, so we only pay for one day. And then I'm going to walk uh, 5,500 feet uh, to the south or whatever. I don't know what direction it is. No, south, I guess, east. Um to the Avis office, get a car from Avis, and then drive to Rochester, see a rock show, perform by friends from school, and then drive back the same night without dying. So last we left, we were leaving Manhattan, and uh, that wasn't going completely smoothly. But let's back up a little bit so you kind of can dovetail into the last show and then right into this one. What do you say? All right, here it is, the rest of 337, which may or may not be called uh, uh, Going Home is a Trip. Now, the idea was, as you can imagine, to not get out of town too late so everybody could get some sleep. And knowing that I'm going to get up at the crack of dawn to be at Hertz at 9 in the morning to get this 8 in the the morning. Whenever Hertz, when does Hertz open? 7? Whenever Hertz Rent-A-Car opens on a Sunday, that's when I was going to be there. So we get in the car, and I, I know how to get out of Manhattan, especially from Winnie's Fika. It's very easy. They live in Chelsea. You just go east until you get to the West Side Highway, and then you just go. And that's it. You just go, and you're there. You just go. And then, and then once I get into the Bronx, we've got this way we go, and if I just don't get us lost, we're fine, and then I'm a Poughkeepsie, right? But of course, it's Saturday night. And so somebody has had a crash or a carjacking or a drug deal gone bad or something on the West Side Highway and we get stuck in traffic and we don't really get off the island of Manhattan until after midnight. Which means we don't get up to P-Town until about 2 in the morning. Now luckily... We, we did plan ahead. Now, what we need to do... See, so my mother-in-law locks the house up. 
And the security, you know, everybody kind of develops their own way of doing things, right? So her way of doing things is she, she was, she was robbed several years ago. Okay. So she's very worried about keeping the house locked. So she locks up everything at night. And if we want to come in the house, we use a garage door opener. We open the garage door with this, you know, a clicker. The garage door opens and then we go in that way and then we can get right in the house. So luckily we do have the garage. So we, it's two in the morning, two thirty in the morning. We get, we click into the house. We walk the dog. But by the time I get to sleep, right, it's probably three in the morning. But what we have to do is return one rent-a-car. I know. We didn't plan this. Rent-a-car-wise, we tried to save money. And I think in trying to save money, we saved really $5. Because the idea was we would we'd rent a car to get from the airport to Poughkeepsie, give it in. Then we'd get one in Poughkeepsie to go to Manhattan and immediately give it in. And then my new plan, get the Rochester car, have that for 24 hours. We had all these little 24-hour cars which I'm sure added up to about three weeks worth of normal rental. So, so I, I get my poor wife up at the crack of dawn. We drive over. Oh, wait, no, I did the whole thing by myself, I think, right? Because I didn't need her. Because one of the cars was Avis and one of the cars was Hertz. But Avis and Hertz are about 500 feet away from each other in Poughkeepsie. They're over near IBM, right? So, so I took the one car, I gave it back to Avis which was kind of a decent car. I don't remember what it was. Some kind of Chevy or something. Chevy Cruze, maybe. Not a bad car. Decent enough sound system. You plug your phone right in there. It plays all the hits all the time, right? Good to go. And that's really all I need. Now, I'm feeling very proud of myself because I got a better car rate than my wife was getting. My wife was getting something like 79 bucks a day. And I got something like 49 bucks a day. So I was $30 a day better than my wife, which I was very happy about. And she was actually, honestly, a little bit impressed by, okay? So I walk over from Avis, where I've just handed in the Chevy Cruze, over to Hertz. And for some reason, I'd been at Hertz before, and I don't remember. There, there's, there was this very... Okay. <clears throat> you know how I operate right? You know, there are certain things that I find very distracting. And one of them is attractive women. So there was this very attractive black girl working. Can I say black girl? You know, my heart is pure. There was an African-American individual of uh, female biology working at uh, Hertz who had uh, perfected her look to the point where it was distracting to me when conducting business early in the morning. I'll just can I say that without com- right? White people do not want to be called out on anything. And so I'm trying to walk a tightrope here while I'm telling you that I was very detracted, very detracted. Hi, Howard. Very distracted by an at- attractive young woman at the Hertz counter. So she, so it turns out I'm an, uh, a jackass and I had not, in my rush, because I, I reserved the car in a rush to leave with the other car to get down to New York. I did it in too big a hurry, and I didn't put in the right date. So she couldn't find the, the, the good-looking girl, the good the attractive young woman, could not... I'm trying to be PC and uh, 
uh, uh, myself at the same time. It's, it's not working. The very attractive woman with a Y, W-O-M-Y-N. I went to college. The very attractive woman uh, uh, didn't have my reservation because I had messed up the date. So we got that straightened out, but that, that was okay. They had a car. Now, I didn't reserve the cheapest, cheapest, cheapest car. I got one. I wanted to get one a little bit bigger. So I'm so excited to go to Rochester in my rent a car. It's $30 less than the car I had before. She gives me the keys. I'm so excited. It turns out it wasn't the yellow Volkswagen Beetle, which I thought would have been kind of fun and maybe a little too much to roll into Fairport in a yellow bug. That was just weird, right? So I go find the car because they always tell you, you know, what, what slot you're in. <clears throat> I go out to the car and uh, I wish I could remember what brand it was. Was it a Chevy? Was it also a Chevrolet? It was, it was a, it was called either a Spec or a Spark or a Pixel. I think it was like a Hyundai Pixel. This was the smallest car I have ever seen that wasn't a quote unquote smart car. It literally, literally, like this isn't an exaggeration. Like, ah, it'll be funny. You know what, you know what be funny is I'll say it looks like a car that had been cut. No, dude, swear to God, it looked like a car that had been cut in half. Now, because I'm not confrontational, I admit it. Because I was very tired. I admit it because I was really excited to just get my ass on the road and get up to Fairport and see some people. I admit it. And just because I didn't want to give any static to the attractive woo man. I know I just got in the car and I drove off now, apparently, and I didn't realize this until much later. Apparently, technically this Hyundai spec or spark or pixel or Chevy, whatever the hell it was, I don't know what it was. It actually was technically a four-door car. So I think she didn't actually give me the wrong car in the category. I I should have gone back in there and said, hey, listen, you got to be kidding me. This isn't a whatever mid-sized car. This is a a nothing car. This is a dangerous car to be driving all the way to Rochester in. You got to give me a freaking break. But no, I didn't. I just drove away because I wanted to get on the thruway. Because according to Google Maps... Right, the the trip was actually only supposed to take me four and a half hours. Even though when I was a kid dro- driving from school in Syracuse down to Westport, which isn't that much further, it's about an hour further, it was like six hours. I don't understand where the extra hour and a half came from. So four and a half hours it sounds awesome. Well, you know what it is? The speed limit is different. That's what I was trying to convince my wife. I kept saying, "Honey, it's only four and a half hours." Well, it wasn't that when we were kids. Yeah, but when we were kids, see, going to school, the speed limit was fifty-five. But now the speed limit's 65, which means we all drive about 70 or 75, which means four and a half hours. Let, let this be a lesson to all of us. When you are renting a car to drive very fast to Rochester, New York for the first time in however many years, no matter how small it is, check the sound system before you leave the Hertz lot. The sound system in this POS Chevrolet Pixel 
was so horrible. I could have kicked myself all the way to Monroe County and back. You can't, I can't do, I don't care how crappy the car is. It can't have that horrible a sound system. I could barely hear my music. It was the worst. I could barely hear my music. And apparently in New York state on the freeways, there's this, there's tailgating culture. And what that is seen in LA, you can never go so fast on the freeway. How can I put this? No one's ever trying to pass you on the freeway too aggressively because what happens is, you know, when you're in the fast lane, someone will come up behind you and if they want to go by you, they'll tailgate you a little bit and then you know to pull over and let them go ahead of you. But in Los Angeles, honestly, listen, man, we're all trying to go as fast as we can. There's 17 people between me and the horizon that are going the speed I'm going. So if I get out of your way, what are you going to be like one car faster? You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not worth it. So back the F off, right? We're all doing 65. That's the fastest we're going. You got to just settle in, brother. You're going to get there eventually. Okay, dude. In New York, there's this other culture because there isn't as much traffic outside of the city. And that culture is, listen, man, I'm going to tailgate you closer than you've ever been tailgated before until you get out of the way, even if I know that you can't get out of the way because there's cars in the other lane. To which I would like to respond, that's cool. Hey, dum-dum, I'm in a rental car. And my wildest fantasy is while you're tailgating me that I slam on the brakes and watch you endo over endo that least Audi of yours into the embankment. Okay? Can you just give that a moment's thought as you're tailgating the next person? As you're tailgating the next person and they're not getting over right away because there's there's three cars in the other lane that they were actually passing at 75 or 80, just because you want to go nine, you got to give them a split second, or I swear to God, that person might be me. I'm going to slam on the brakes of my spec. You are going to die. And I will choke to death of laughter. Deal? Okay. The drive up there was gorgeous. Um, I drove... Route 87, which is the New York State Thruway, and then you take it up to Albany, and then it bends and goes east-west. And you take that into, eventually, Syracuse, Rochester, and then if you keep going, you get to Buffalo. And of course, the whole time I'm doing this, I can't, I, I'm remembering back to an argument I had with my father-in-law. Now, you know when you're early in a relationship like that, especially a relationship where you think it might be the person you're going to marry, you... you you definitely are very aware of the relationship you're cultivating with your future in-laws. And I am not a particularly argumentative person. But my father-in-law and a bunch of us were sitting around talking on their front porch one day. And maybe he was asking me where I grew up or something. I I think it was fairly early in the relationship. And I said, well, I grew up in Rochester. I grew up in, in uh, Fairport, which is um, 
you know, it's hard to describe. It's, it's near Rochester, but Rochester's up a little further. It's it's down near the New York State Thruway. It's down uh, just above Route 90, the, the Thruway. And he said, Route 90 isn't the Thruway. Route 87 is the Thruway. And I say, well, no, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's Route 90, at least up there. And he goes, no, no, no. No, no, no. The New York State Thruway is Route 87. It goes from down here. And it goes right near here. And I know for a fact that it's 87. And I say, well, maybe it's 87 here in Poughkeepsie. I wouldn't know. But I know for a fact that it's Route 90 because all of the freeways in Rochester are such and such 90 because they go to the 90, which is the New York State Thruway. And he says, no. And my wife says, Dan, can I talk to you? And takes me in the house and goes, why are you arguing with my father? To which I respond, I'm not arguing with your father. He's arguing with me. I'm right. So I'm not arguing. I'm explaining to him that the New York State Thruway in Rochester is Route 90. He's arguing with me that it's 87, which is not true. Now, I was never allowed to bring that up ever again. We had to drop that, which was fine. But but that's your relationship with your father-in-law. And don't forget it. Because those are the sorts of conversations that can... Because I could just feel it like, wow, if I really push this, like this is going to be a thing. Like There's some patriarchal thing where he can't be wrong, even though he keeps pushing me about the fact that apparently the New York State Thruway up in Rochester is Route 87, even though Route 90 was painted on all the signs. So part of the plan, and this was a really good plan. Part of the plan is I'm going to drive from Poughkeepsie actually to Syracuse, which is about an hour away from Rochester to Rochester's east. And I'm going to meet my friend, Timmy Berardi. Now, Tim Berardi was a guy I met in, in, I think, I don't even, if it was 10th grade or 11th grade. Fairport, in those days, and it's probably a, a, a version of this now, in those days, there were two junior highs. And one of the junior highs was like, ours. the one I went to was 7th, 8th, and ninth grade. But then there was another one that was like, maybe 7th, 8th, ninth, and 10th graders. Maybe that's what it was. So he was from the other side of town. Like where the guys, the guys that grew up on the other side of town always seemed a little more grown up to me. I'll have to ask him about that. If if he thought we all seemed like children, because to me, maybe it's because I grew up with the kids on my side of town. Everybody except Gordy. Gordy always seemed like an adult, but everybody on my side of town just seemed like, yeah, I knew them from seventh grade. And then you meet the kids that grew up on the other side of town, but you didn't meet them till you were in 11th grade. And they all seemed like adults. It's probably just perception. I know. So anyway, so maybe it was 11th grade. Maybe it was 10. I don't know. At some point I met my friend, Timmy Berardi. And I think it was in our chemistry class or something. Was that 11th grade, Tim? I have no idea. And Tim and I just somehow very quickly became very good friends. I think we just sort of like, hey, kindred spirit? Yes, let's go see the Blues Brothers in a movie theater. Okay, let's do that. And that was it. And to this day, I love Tim Berardi. I love this guy. He is hilarious and brilliant and articulate and hilarious and 
talented and creative. He's a great guy. He's a great friend. He's a great father. He's a great guy. So he's the kind of dude, though. So 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 Tim and I were good friends through high school, through those two two years. But I'm telling you, these those two are such formative years. It might as well have been twenty. Then, somewhat coincidentally and somewhat not, he and I both went to Syracuse University at the same time. And we're smart enough to never live in the same dormitory. So freshman year, he was way over in, I think it was Shaw. I was at Sadler. I was at Sadler for another year. He was at Shaw. And then he went up to the Mount and I went to Village Hall, whatever it was. Okay. So because of that, I think we're still friends to this day. So, so I, so I, as soon as I made the crazy plan, I said, Timmy, I'm going to go up to Rochester. I got to do, I got to do this. I got to go up to Fairport. I got to see Northside Johnny. I got to do this thing. And he's like, okay, that drive is crazy. So I will meet you in Syracuse and I'll drive you to Rochester and then we'll go to the show. And then whenever you want, up to you, man, I will drive you back to Syracuse. That'll at least take a couple of hours off the trip. I'm like, Tim, you're awesome. Let's do that. And that made my wife happy too, because that way she knew there was at least two hours off that whole round trip, right? So that's the plan. So I've got my camera. I've got my sunblock. I've got my mother-in-law's garage door opener, which cannot be lost under penalty of death. I've got my custom hat with the K on it, the fancy K that I'm wearing right now. And I've got, I guess that's it. I've got a, I've got a desire to see Northside Johnny. So I, I'm in the, I'm in the, I, I get the spec and I'm driving, I'm driving and I'm driving actually earlier that day. Now this is just an aside and I don't know what relevance this is, except you know what, when you, you think you're going to see people you haven't seen in a long time and you're crazy and neurotic like I am, I get it in my head that the day I trimmed my beard, which is very white, except for my mustache is dark and my like goatee is a still dark, but the rest of my beard is kind of whitish, to be honest with you. I trimmed it all so short, I, I get obsessed Sunday morning with the idea that I look like I have just a mustache, which is wrong on a couple levels for me. Number one, it makes me look like a gay porn star from the 70s. And number two, it makes me look like I looked in uh, high school because for some reason I thought if I had a mustache, I would look like Rick James or Prince, which I did not. I just looked like a suburban idiot with a mustache. So the last thing I want to do is roll up on my old hometown sweating with a mustache. I, I don't want to do that. I don't, I don't, I don't. Because there are yearbook pictures with me with a mustache. I should have shaved. I should have shaved before my yearbook pictures. I should have shaved before my wedding. I probably should have shaved before today. I should have shaved. I should have shaved. I should shave every day. I should just stop thinking about it and do it, but I don't do it. So Sunday morning before I went and got the cars, I shaved my entire face. I don't know why, but I just did because I'm neurotic and crazy. So the drive from Poughkeepsie to Syracuse was simultaneously endless and mind numbing. And absolutely breathtaking. Living in Southern California for as long as I have, I really just don't get that much of an opportunity to be engulfed like that. In greenery. And in water and in farmland. 
in small town after small town. See, in Los Angeles is made up of a bunch of small towns, I guess, in a way, but there's nothing in between. They get buttered up shoulder to shoulder. In New York, and probably the vast majority of the country, it goes city, town, and then farmland or nothing, and then back to town and then back to city. You know what I mean? Driving up along the Erie Canal through all those great little towns and little farms and that was just, it was beautiful. So I finally made it to Syracuse and the plan was that we were going to, we were going to meet at Wegmans because that's what you do. If you're going anywhere where there is Wegmans, you go to Wegmans. Now we do not have Wegmans in Los Angeles. Wegmans would probably take over everything and would scare the hell out of the the status quo. I have never seen a business that engenders such absolute (laughs) love from its patrons as I have from Wegmans. Now, Wegmans, I, I honestly don't know that much about Wegmans. My perception was always that Wegmans started in Parenton Square which is across the street from here, whatever that intersection is in my hometown where route 31 meets, uh, whatever that other one is, I guess it's two fifty, maybe, I don't know, but that Wegmans was the only Wegmans I ever knew of. So to me, that was Wegmans. It was the only one, just like when you think there's only a couple Burger Kings and then you go to New York and you're like, Hey, look, they have a Burger King. Yeah. Trust me. They have a Burger King. So we met at Wegmans. I assumed we were going to meet at the Wegmans that was kind of near school. That we would go to if we ever needed to go to Wegmans. Uh, There was one on Erie Boulevard somewhere, just not that far off campus. I don't think this was the one. I don't know where the hell we were. I was following the phone. Wherever the phone said to go, that's where I went. So I got off the throughway and I took this freeway and that freeway and ended up somehow in Syracuse somewhere at the Wegmans. But luckily, because we all have text messaging now and Google Maps and all that other stuff, I was able to find Tim immediately. And, you know, seeing an old friend like that is always, well, listen, I'm not smart enough to understand quantum physics and all that stuff. And I'm I'm only barely smart enough to even begin to imagine and understand things like time travel and parallel uh, continuums and uh, realities and all that stuff. But when you see an old friend like that, it is always as if simultaneously 20 years has passed or 10 years or however long it's been since I've seen Tim. And for Tim, it's probably got at least 10 or 12 years. Maybe I don't think I've seen him since I don't even want to think about it. It was like I just saw him the other day. Except we had a lot to talk about. So I grabbed uh, all the stuff that I needed out of the trunk. You know, the the camera bag, which I, you know, in the camera bag, I had stuffed the uh, garage door opener. I had my camera in there and uh, my sunblock and a couple other things. I can't remember now. And I put him in Timmy's car and we drive off and just talk and talk and talk and talk. 
And we vowed not to go to the university. Now, that was one of the options we had was to go through school. But out of respect for my wife, whom Timmy knows very well, we did not go to the campus because Melissa wants to show Hudson the campus. And it just felt a little sacrilegious to go there without her because she's been hoping to go. You understand what I mean? It's one of those things like you don't want to watch the movie you promised her you were going to watch together, even though you know you're never going to watch it together. So Syracuse campus is a little bit of that, although I probably should go in March, but that's another story. (laughs) Anyway, so we vowed not to go to campus. We're going to go straight to Fairport. And I don't know if I lost time having to take so many pee breaks or what, but by the time we get into town, it feels like there's really not much time. Now, my plan had been to, to at some point in the trip, Facebook a bunch of people and say, listen, I'm going to be in town. I don't know if you're available. Let's meet for lunch. I don't know where to meet. Where do you think we should meet? And really rally uh, 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 some sort of mini reunion. But I kept putting it off. And I kept putting it off and I kept putting it off and I kept putting it off. And I even got into town with Tim and I'm like, I, I mean, I guess I should do that. But let's, I don't know, let's, let's at least get from the throughway into Fairport. Let's at least get it. Let's at least, let's at least. So we drove up past my old house, which meant we passed Eastview Mall just around the corner. Eastview Mall and Route 96, Eastview Mall, just off the throughway. You'll find it all Eastview Mall, Eastview Mall. Went up to the old house, went around, went around. We went to the high school. Now, as is my tradition, we tried to get into the high school. And this is where I think I I had to make a decision. And I, I, I don't even want to get into this too much. Driving up, I had to decide whether to make this a happy trip or in a lot of ways a sad trip. I had to decide whether to just do what it took to have happy memories of friends or to also acknowledge the passing of friends and friends' family members and pay my respects in in those ways. And I don't know if it was because it was summer. I don't know if it was because I was so tired. I don't know if it's just because I'm a chicken and I try to avoid those situations as, as much as possible. I couldn't do it. I couldn't turn it into a trip about mourning. I, ha- I had to keep it a trip about celebration. And it hit me for a moment when we went to the high school because... Every time I'm in town and I go to the high school and I hadn't even thought about it, but I'm pretty sure every time I had done that in the last two trips or so, I was with Jeff Newland, who's no longer with us. The only time I think I've used the toilets at the high school for anything but a quick squirt, I was with Jeff. Now, Jeff had been in the army. He could take a crap anywhere. My point is, maybe it was a bit of a weird sort of 
inevitable celebration slash I don't know what that that ritual didn't play out the way it normally did because Jeff wasn't there. Part of me really wanted to go see Lori, his wife, but I I didn't have that kind of time. It didn't seem like a summer thing to do. It seemed like something I could easily chicken out of. And actually, I didn't contact anybody. I mean, I told people that I was in town, but, but, but no one specific. I just put it on Facebook. I'm in town. If you happen to see this, whatever, man. We're going to the show. Hopefully we'll see you there. The truth is, driving around with Tim was so satisfying and so nostalgic without being melancholy that I didn't want to interrupt it. See, Tim was game for what I really wanted to do, which was to drive nearly every inch of town. Just talking about old times and revisiting talking about things that had happened to us between the last time we had seen each other and now. It was for he and I to reconnect in a way that the town and I would never reconnect. I needed to connect with the past of the town, which I could do by driving around with Tim. But I think seeing people, not on that trip, it wasn't time. So much of the town is exactly the same, and so much of it has changed. So much for the better. It's a beautiful town. Fairport, New York, is a great little town. Oh, like oh, like a great enough town where I would like, I would love to vacation there. I don't know what the hell we would do. I don't know where we would eat necessarily, but yeah, it's just it's gorgeous. I was so lucky. I mean, I, it's it's one of those things that like you. You have no perspective as a kid how great your life is because you're a kid. Kid life is great. But from the moment, especially especially once we moved to New York the first time, when I was uh, eight, let's say, eight, yeah, I had no concept. But when I was eight years old and we moved to Rochester for the first time, we lived in a different town in P- Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh is gorgeous. And then we left there and moved to England, but we didn't like move to a crappy part of England. We moved to a very insanely nice, I had no idea, little village outside of London called Jared's Cross where like rich people live. I had no idea because to me, we were just like these middle-class people from California. I didn't know. We moved from there to Fairport, which was is a gorgeous town. No wonder no one leaves. All my friends literally either never left or they left and then came back. And, and, now, and I get it. Driving around, walking around Fairport, trust me. I really, I get it. So I didn't contact anyone directly. The plan, Tim and I just drove around. We drove around until we knew it was time where we had to eat before we went to the show. And the show, we had stopped by the place where the show was going to be. It's this big outdoor amphitheater that didn't exist when I lived there. I thought it was on the other side of Aralt Road where there used to be a farm. I, For some reason, in my head, I had it on, on the wrong corner. 
And I was very happy to see that actually the farm is still there. But across the road, and I don't even remember what was there back in the old days, is now this huge community center with swimming pools and parking lot and this giant, gorgeous, brand new white, you know those white kind of fabric-y, canvas-y amphitheaters, right? So Tim and I go to some local place. We get a couple sandwiches or whatever. I forget. I think I had French dip. I, I, I don't recommend it. The fries were good. And then we went over to the amphitheater. Now again, and I don't know why, I, I don't know why this was part of my motivation for going because it, again, it doesn't make any sense. The, the, the last time I saw the band was at, well, I don't even know when it was. I'm not sure I've ever actually even seen this band. At one of our class reunions in, in 2002, versions of this band had gotten together for the first time in, in years and played. And I was kidding myself that I had been very encouraging of them getting back together. But the point is, they played. So I had it in my head that it was going to be like that. Now, that was this small, cramped bar during a reunion weekend. Nobody's seen each other in 20 years. We go in there and we're drinking and everybody's singing and rocking out. It was a whole thing. And I just had this kind of weird fantasy that it was going to be a lot like that. Like it was going to be like a reunion that I had missed that I was going to make up for it now. But it wasn't like that at all. It was exactly like it was going to be always. It was a show at an outdoor amphitheater at 6 o'clock on a Sunday night. Out in broad daylight in the middle of town. So Tim and I walked down and said hi to the guys from the band. Chip, the lead singer, I complimented. He's, he's really kind of made a name for himself in town. He's like a full-time rock star now. I think he has like his normal good job, like good job. But I think he's performing all the time, all the time. He's really, and I said like, dude, congratulations. You've like, you're like a rock star. And he asked me what I'd been doing. He was very polite about it. It was so funny. Guys from Rochester are very polite guys. He's like, Dan, I know if we were in England, I would never ask you this because you just don't ask those sorts of things in England. But dude, we're not in England. So what do you do? <laughs> like, and in my stupid, like normally self-deprecating, I'm not prepared for this question, even though I should have a really like well-honed answer for this question. I did my usual, ah, dude, I don't know, man. I act in commercials whatever i'm dying not i'm writing and directing shorts not uh, i'm a pioneering podcaster i've been at it for 10 years not none of that not i i was teaching acting for a while i loved it but it wasn't working no no i don't know man i guess i act in commercials you know it's killing me yeah great so timmy and i Set up, set up our chairs. And it's time for the show. And this is when it really hits me that I've been setting myself up for a fall. Because this, the music starts. And listen, these guys are a great band. They are a tight, 
great band. Chip is a great singer. Everybody's great. Tommy, Tiberio, the two other guys that I don't know. But it does dismissive asshole. Um, it's too hot in here. I can't remember their names. They're great. So they're great. And they start playing some awesome song. Who knows what it was? I don't know. Led Zeppelin or Foreigner or The Babies. Or, I have no idea. And they start playing and they sound great. And the sun is setting behind us. And this beautiful amphitheater. I mean, it's really beautiful. There's a food truck and there's like little kids and old people and there's a lot of people about my age and I turn to Timmy and I say, you know, Tim, I can leave at any time because I'm, I'm not the guy to sit in a lawn chair and watch five other people play rush covers for two hours. I'm not that guy. I've never been that guy. I'm the guy that falls asleep on Broadway during performances of Mammoth. I drove for hours, and I should have known this, to sit in a lawn chair and watch other people perform classic rock songs. What was I thinking? Now, if it had been a week or two later, it would have been at this big Fairport Music Festival, and it would have been exactly what I envisioned. A lot of people would have been there, and there would have been drinks and chicks from my high school and their daughters, and they're all hot. See, I'm at that weird age now where women I went to high school, they still look good, and now they have daughters that are actually adults. It's weird. It's weird. It's freaky, and I would have loved to have seen that. But it wasn't two weeks in the future. It was then, and then was a Sunday at six in the afternoon. And I'm going to just sit here and watch them play REO. Who am I kidding? I'm not that guy. And I wasn't ever really that guy even before. The show, no offense to the guys... As great as it was, was an excuse to drive up there and to see a couple of people. And we did. We saw Jill, my, my friend Jill. Jill, I see Jill in LA every once in a while. Jill's great. And we saw this girl, Nancy, that I, woman, woman, girl. <laughs> yeah. Nobody my age is a girl. Trust me. Uh, this woman, Nancy, who I hadn't seen in ages, and uh, Keith, this guy that we worked with at Pizza Hut, whose daughter now goes to SU. She lives on my old floor of Sadler Hall. That's surreal. But that was about it. And I, But I was okay with it because honestly, I saw everybody. I saw everybody as we drove around. And I was able to make all those old connections of which street went to which street and who lived in which neighborhood, and who was friends with who, and who dated who, and where did they go after school, and where didn't they go after school, and who are we still in contact with, and who are we not still in contact with. I saw everybody. Synapses were firing that hadn't fired in decades. Connections were being remade 
that hadn't been made forever. And I was thrilled. Because even though I went up there with one goal, the thing that I really wanted to do, really honestly, like the real Dan, see, the, the Dan I want to be, here, here's the difference. The Dan that I want to be would have emailed and Facebook chatted and text chatted, whatever, whatever, dozens and dozens of people. And I would have organized this big thing. We would have all gotten together at lunch and we all would have had a great time and we all would have reminisced and we all would have done this. We all would have done this big, huge group of us, like big drama club reunion. And then we would have gone to the show and we would have rocked out. Maybe we would have even danced together, whatever. That's what like Dan that doesn't exist would have wanted to do. That's what he would be able to pull off. What real Dan really, honestly, no matter what he says, what real Dan really wants to do is just sit in a car with one of his really best friends in the world and drive around. And that's what we did. On the way out of Fairport, we stopped at the Fairport Wegmans to see if they had any souvenirs. I wanted to buy a t-shirt or something for myself or Hudson or somebody that said Fairport on it. They didn't have anything like this. The the, the Syracuse one was full of Syracuse stuff, but that's because of the university. But there's no Fairport University, right? So obviously I'm out of luck. And Timmy and I drive back to Syracuse on Route 90, the New York State Thruway. And he drops me off at my car. I think we went in and bought some like protein bars, and we tasted some of those uh, cotton candy grapes. Have you ever tasted a cotton candy grape? You know what? It do- it, it tastes like cotton candy. It's disgusting. <clears throat> and I got in my car eventually, about an hour or two later than I wanted to, and drove off about 10 o'clock, I guess, maybe 10.30. And I'm driving out of Syracuse, eastbound. Timmy's driving back towards Rochester to go to his place in Hornell. And I was relieved because I wasn't sure where my hat was all day. I didn't get a chance to wear my hat because I look less bald than a hat. I tend to get more respect from women if I'm wearing a hat. Trust me. Well, I had left the hat in the back of the Chevy Pixel. Well, I was glad to find it. So I'm driving east out of uh, Syracuse, through Syracuse, past the university, And I'm thinking about how much fun we'd had and how I was glad that I found my hat. And then I was just kind of taking stock of like, yeah, I didn't leave my, I didn't, I shouldn't even really have brought my camera. I knew I shouldn't have brought it. I always have this fantasy. Again, fantasy Dan would take a lot of pictures, take a lot of selfies with the camera, take some portraits, take some landscape, right? Real Dan doesn't do shit. So I was thinking to myself, I shouldn't even brought that camera. But at least, you know, in the camera bag, I'm pretty sure I put the sunblock and the garage door opener. And then I remembered seeing the sunblock loose in Tim's car. So I thought, oh, shoot, you know what? I think I left the sunblock in Tim's car. And then I realized I haven't seen the garage door opener since I arrived in Syracuse. And I cannot lose the garage door opener. Because without the garage door opener, not only can I not open the garage door, 
go in the garage, close the garage door, and then go through the garage door into the house, I cannot ever look my wife or my mother-in-law in the eye again. So I get this panic that I have misplaced the garage door opener. So I pull off the freeway in God knows where not nice part of Syracuse. And I pull over into some parking lot. And again, this is a Sunday night by this time. It's like 11 or so, 1130 at night. So nothing's really open. And I check the back of the spec or whatever it is. I can't find the garage door opener. And I look inside the car, I look in the front, I look in the back, under the seats, run around. It's not in the camera bag, it's not anywhere, I don't have it. So I start praying, please, please, oh my God, please, Tim, I'm going to call you Tim. Tim, dear Lord Tim, dear Tim, via God, I am going to call Tim. And then he's, please let him look for the garage door. Please let him find the garage uh, door opener. So I call Tim. Timmy is Danny. Listen, he, he calls me Danny. He's the only person in the world, honestly, that can call me Danny and I don't bristle. Well, no, I guess my cousins do. He's the only one that's not a, officially legally family. Okay, so Timmy, it's Danny. Listen, I know uh, the garage door opener and can you please? Okay. So, of course, he's Tim. So he's like, yes, I will look. Uh, it's going to be a couple more miles till I get to the nearest rest stop because I'm on the thruway. I'm on Route 90, the New York State thruway. Route 90. I've got to get to a rest stop. But as soon as I get there, I'll look. I'll call you right back. Okay, fine. So I just wait. Now, this is right. This is the night that I'm going to have to drive four and a half hours in the night in the dark. I'm usually wiped out after driving the one hour home from my parents' house, right? And instead of driving back to Poughkeepsie, it's 11 o'clock at night and I'm sitting in a parking lot waiting to get a call back from Tim. Now, Tim and I have gone, right? So he calls me. He's got it. He has it. So he's going to stay where he is and I'm going to come meet him. So I, right, because we've driven in opposite directions. So he's past Rochester now. No, 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 no. He's, no, he's on the other side of here. He's not, he's not all the way back to Rochester yet. No, no, no. So I have to drive all the way back to the other side, past Wegmans, almost to right, right the, so, okay. So I get the garage door opener. I give him another hug, I think. I don't even know. At this point, I'm so delirious. I don't even know. I get back in the car and I drive. And I drive, 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 and I drive. Four and a half hours. I have to stop all the time. Even if it's just to get out of the car to pee and have something else to drink. I'm caffeinating. I'm eating sugar. I'm eating M&M's, peanut M&M's. But I don't care because I gotta, right? I gotta just keep going and keep going and keep going. My feet smell like gasoline because in New York, they don't have those... uh emission controlled uh, uh, little doohickeys on their oil pumps like we have here. So in here, if you put the oil pump in, you have to push this thing in and it controls the fumes from the gas from coming into the atmosphere. But it also, when the thing gets full, it clicks the thing off and then you're done and then you pull out the hose, right? Apparently on the freeway, on the throughway in New York, when the tank gets full, it just keeps pouring gas onto your foot. 
So the inside of the cabin smells like gasoline and I'm just trying not to die, but I don't want the windows down too far because I can barely hear the radio as it is because this pixel is a piece of crap. But I finally make it. I'm back in Poughkeepsie. I get off the throughway. I wind my way around through whatever the hell that is. Upland or New Paltz or New... I don't know where I... I don't know. I'm delirious. I finally get home. I've got the remote control to the garage door. I open the garage door with the remote control. I go in the garage. I close the garage door. And someone has locked the door between the garage and the house. All right, thank you for listening to The Bitterest Pill. I have no idea how long this episode is. I don't know if it's going to be one episode or two. I have no idea. All I know is that it's taken me four hours to record this podcast. I can't do... This is supposed to be taking less time, not more time. It should take me an hour to record an hour, not four hours to record an hour. But with all the stopping for sweat breaks, it's ridiculous. Anyway, listen. Thank you so much for listening to the show. Thank you for downloading. Um, thank this. I'm wearing my my Northside Johnny T-shirt. We stayed for most of the show. The guys were great. Chip Milligan, Tommy Kehoe, Dave Tiberio, and the other two guys that we didn't go to school with. You okay? So forget it. I love you guys. Tommy, even you, even though you say you're in LA all the time and you don't see me, that's fine. That's your prerogative. Whatever. Don't call me. Um. And of course, thank you to Tim Timothy J Berardi my eternal friend for being an eternal friend. Um, my heart goes out my uh, 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 to the couple of women that I really wish I had visited. Uh, I really want to see Lori. I really want to see Marilyn. I, uh, uh, I just do. I really do. Next time I'm in Rochester, I'm going to go and see both of them. Um, great seeing Jill and Nancy and uh, Keith. But um, really, I feel, I feel like I saw everybody because I was in town and was able to kind of do that time warp thing. It was really great. So listen, but but to you, the listener, thank you for listening. Thank you for your patience between shows. Um, I, I enjoy doing the show. So when I don't do the show, it's not because I'm being a lazy jerk. I, I was, uh, you know, out of town and then uh, we were very busy when we first got back. But then I really did have, I think it was like two weeks of not really being able to breathe <laughs> very much. So, um, but we'll, we'll get into that next time. Trust me. There's, there's more to the story than even my kids know. So we'll get into that. Um, <clears throat> uh, of course, thank you to the people that support the show on Patreon. Uh, we can be found at patreon.com slash Dan class class with a K, as you know, um, the people that supported this, uh, episode, especially, and they are, of course, this episode of the bitterest bill is supported by Patreon patrons, including Dave Jackson, Mike Hamilton, Floris, Harold Goldner, Tom Carroll, David Jason, Gerard Cortinez, Chris Glass, Scott Mercer, Michael C. Rail, and Tom Ingram. Thank you for your support, one and all. So thank you, thank you. But thank you to all the patrons. The patrons get the show early by about 24 or 48 hours. It really depends on what time I post the show. But um, So if you want the shows right away, please support the show, even if it's only a dollar an episode on Patreon. Uh, if not, you get it for free. Just with a little, with free plus a little patience, and that's it. The shows are, uh, yeah, always free from now on. So I think uh, we'll see. Uh, anyway, I'm sweating. I'm Dan. I will talk to you next week. We're back to school. 
Even though I'm getting up at the crack of dawn, we're back to school, we're back to a normal schedule, I hope, very soon. But I really need to get out of here, and I need to get back to my uh, regularly scheduled uh, day. So, thanks for downloading. I'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. The Bitter's Pill is produced by Jacket Media, makers of fine podcasts since 2004. That's...